0: To turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 13 this evening. Last week, we finished up a portion of this teaching in Peter on how to live through suffering. We shared several messages on how to live through suffering by giving your life to God. God. And that means doing a lot of different things. Last week we talked about how that involves stopping the tongue if we're going to live through suffering, giving our life to God. Among many other things. And now we're going to go into another section of this teaching. How to conquer suffering. We're not just going to live through suffering, we're going to be able to conquer suffering as children of God, and that's going to be by living right and not living wrong. Now that sounds real simple, but we're in a fight every day. Every time we try to do good, there is going to be evil that tries to come against us. This is something that we depend on our Lord to be able to do. And we understand that we're in a battle. So it's not just as simple as just, just live right and don't do wrong. It's, it's something that we can't do without the Lord. It's, it is something That when we are living right, we are going to be able to conquer the suffering that we go through. And in verses 13 through 17 tonight, we are going to talk about standing up for Christ, suffering for righteousness sake. We sing a song sometimes, stand up for Jesus. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross, Lift high His royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, His army shall He lead till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. We must stand up for Jesus and live right in order to conquer suffering. Now, the Christians that Peter is writing to, they've gone through suffering. And it started with persecution. The persecution continues, but the persecution caused much more suffering in the lives of these Christians. And as we think about persecution on the level of that day, it was a little different than what we experience right here, right now. Now, people are people are at risk of their lives... When they live for Christ in other parts of this earth right now. But, but here today, we're, we're not thinking so much about a, a physical abuse upon us and our suffering, being beaten or being murdered. Nevertheless, the Christian is persecuted here today whether whether we're ridiculed or mocked or ignored or passed over for promotion or many things go on that cause us as Christians to be persecuted here today. And here we are in this day and time and the persecution that we go through, it may be different than the persecution we'll read about of that day. Nevertheless, the things that hinder us the things that cause difficulties for us, it's, it's important to God. If it's causing us a problem, it's important to God. I'll never forget as a young Christian and my Sunday school teacher at the time, he talked about that. He said, whatever you're going through, it's not too small to tell the Lord about. If it's hindering you and holding you back, you tell the Lord about it. There's no such thing as being embarrassed at a small thing you're taking to the Lord. Take it to him. Take it to him in prayer. He cares and he wants to know about it if it's causing you difficulty. So we need to be able to bear up under the persecution that you and I will go through today as children of God. We need to be able to endure whatever storms come to pass in our life by way of difficulties for our faith. We want to be counted faithful. We want to be true. We want to go before God and be faithful and true concerning the things that we have to go through. And we need to stand up for Jesus, no matter how ferocious the attacks are upon us as we're persecuted for our faith today. As we stand for our belief in the Bible as God's absolute truth, as we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way to heaven and he is the precious son of God and he is sinless and he is perfect and we believe that and we stand for that we stand for Jesus and we must do so and we conquer we conquer our suffering when we do that standing for Jesus and suffering for righteousness sake to be able to live right and do wrong involves about four things we're going to share tonight. It involves what we do. It involves what we think. It involves what we say. And it involves what our life is. First of all, let's look at what we do in verses 13 and 14. It says, And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good but and if ye suffer for righteousness sake happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror neither be troubled I was up here at the church one day several years back and a man came and delivered some furniture Uh, If anyone doesn't know, we might have the biggest sectional sofa in the city of Umbel up in the youth room. And it was delivered one day. It was delivered in about 20 pieces. And so I went up there and I helped this guy take it off his truck out here. And we went up and down the stairs with all these pieces. And I like to talk when I work. I like to talk when I see somebody and meet somebody. So we're going along and he's not very talkative. And He has a Dallas Cowboys jersey on, Tony Romo. And I'm just trying to make conversation, and I'm not thinking about making a smooth conversation, I guess. Uh, I I might not be good at that sometimes. But I said, you know, every time I have ever watched Tony Romo when he played, he, uh, man, I've never seen him play a good game. He must have played some good games. And I know a lot of people like him. I never saw him do anything good. And I'm going on just in certain foot and mouth. I'm really not trying to offend the guy. I'm just trying to make conversation. And he dropped that, he dropped that piece of furniture. And he said, You're about to put this furniture up there by yourself, sir. <laughs> Let me tell you something. He was very zealous of his football team, he was very passionate about this Tony Romo guy you I mean he 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 was willing for he and I to have some problems over that just because I mentioned that can we be that zealous about what is right and about what is good Because that is the challenge that is given to us here. That word followers that you find there in verse 13. It's a very strong word. It has the idea of imitating. But it also has an understanding of being a fanatic. This guy was a fanatic for his football team. And for his special quarterback. And we're challenged here to be a fanatic for what is good and what is right. You know, some people just might be thinking over the airwaves, how lame, how boring, what is, what is good and what is right? I mean, we live in a day where people are calling evil good and good evil and people aren't real concerned about it, you know? But can we be passionate about what is right, because that is the calling here. That is the request by God that we be a follower of that which is good. People need this challenge today because there are a lot of attitudes out there that what's right and what's good, uh, there's a, there's the opposite of a passion for right and good going on even on the shallow banks of christianity there is just not much interest in what's right and what's good and there's some attitudes that get in the way of such a thing there's the i could care less attitude doing what's right and doing what's good, it's simply, it's honestly, it's not a concerning matter to a whole lot of people. It's really not anymore. People don't even see the lines anymore. You know, Granddaddy told me, don't tell somebody when they're doing something wrong. They know when they're doing wrong. And that was true. But I don't know if that's true now. They're not interested or caring about following that which is right or that which is good. The careless attitude. It can creep in. It can creep in on these suffering Christians through their very rough road they're going through and they're exhausted. All oh, whatever. I could care less attitude. Some people are that way. There's a what's in it for me attitude. There's a lot of people, they're not interested in what's good and what's right. But when it benefits them, they might get a little interested in it. When it's something that helps a person or meets their needs, all of a sudden they're all for what's good and what's right. There's a show I used to watch. It was like the early 80s and uh, I forget the name of the show. Ricky Schroeder was in the show though. And he's a little kid. He's 10 or 11 years old. He must be my age because I think I was 10 or 11 when I watched it. Somebody know the name of the show? silver spoons that's not real important but i'm glad that you remember that and told me that that was driving me crazy silver spoon. why do i feel so much better now that i know the name silver spoons ricky schroeder and his name was rick in the show and he had a friend named Derek. and you understand they're 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 10 11 12 years old and rick wants to start a business now, I don't remember, somebody's going to remember the episode in a minute. And now I don't remember if this is a lemonade stand or a hot dog stand or what it was going to be. But Rick wanted to start a business and he told his friend Derek about it. And Derek wasn't real interested in it, you know. But then all of a sudden, Derek perked up and he said, Hey, if you will let me name our company, I'll be part of it. And Rick says, hey, I, I need a partner in this business. You're, you're in. I guess you already have the name of the company. What is it? He said, I have the perfect name for our company, Rick. And and, and Rick says, what is it, Derek? He said, it's, it's both of our names are included. It's the first part of my name, and it's your whole name for the last part. Derek's. What do you think? You, you get it? The guy's name is Derek, and it's all about him, okay? And people or I'll never forgot that (laughs) simple little thing, but people are all willing to sign up for this doing good if there's something in it for them. But then there's also a surface attitude because you will have those and they will say that they're taking this stand for Jesus and they believe in what's right and good and they want to do what's right and good. But then off away from the scene, they're going to live the way they want to live. So so we have some things that can really get in the way of us doing what's right and good. We need more zealous people to take a stand for what's good and what's right. We need more lives committed to what we should do. It's, it's a what I want to do world, But we as God's people need to be the should-do people. We're going to do what we should do. And we're going to do what's right. We need committed people for that. There are positive things to for us to consider in doing what is right. I mean, we may suffer less if we do what is right. You know, there's a lot of people that are not interested in doing good. But when they see you doing good to your neighbor, when they see you doing good in the community, when they see that you don't break the law, when they see that you're just an upstanding citizen, and, 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 and next thing you know, they're starting to understand that this is Christ in you, they're, they're starting to, they they'll start getting interested in, in what's good. And they might treat you really good. You'll make your enemies to be at peace with you if you do what is right and good. But not only that, more importantly, You'll be blessed by God by doing that which is right and good. What does it say? But and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye, happy are you if you suffer. How about that? How about that? You know, what about that? There's a lot of people that make themselves happy in one sense, by the things in this world. And the things in this world are going to pass away. Bankruptcy can come along just like that. The stock market can crash just like that. We can have an economic slump anytime. And somebody's happiness that they've built on is, is gone just like that. Somebody might just be enjoying everyday life in the world, doing what they want. But disease can really put a stop to that. An accident can happen any time. But the one who is suffering for righteousness sake. They have an eternal crown that they're looking forward to. Something that can't be snatched away. Something that you can't die away from. Happy are ye if you suffer for righteousness sake. Because of the crown that you can have. You know, the suffering saint can also be happy about their resemblance to the Lord Jesus Christ when they're suffering for righteousness' sake. More about Jesus would I know. That's what we sing. We know a little more about Him. And we become a little more like Him when we suffer for righteousness' sake. We will never go through the suffering of the cross. But we might go through some suffering for persecution when Jesus is not so popular in a a crowd that we stand for Jesus in. And we'll get to know Him a little more. I can't get over those words in Philippians 3. Paul said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Paul wanted to know his Jesus more. He wanted to be more like him. And even though he wasn't throwing a pep rally every time sufferings came his way, he knew he was becoming more like his Jesus. And he knew that he went through more than that, but he went through that just like the Lord Jesus did. Happy are you if you suffer for righteousness' sake. There, There are some things there are some things that we will have joy about. Happy are you if you suffer for righteousness' sake. What's the message here? Do you and I understand that the purpose of our trials and troubles and during our time of suffering that we go through, we're never meant to be overwhelmed by it? It's never meant to conquer the child of God. We conquer suffering by God's pattern here. We're not to be overwhelmed by the trouble that, that persecution causes. We will never bear more than we can handle while we're living in God's will. We, can, we were promised to handle everything we're going through in His will. Now, if we're living outside of His will, we could crumble and fall. But in His will, we have that promise. We have that promise to overcome. Our suffering will also be used as a testimony to others. We may not even know it, but someone will see us in our suffering, and they will see how we have this strength, and they'll say, I want that. The suffering believer who focuses on this is going to grow stronger as a Christian through our suffering, looking to our Lord Jesus, we're going to grow stronger. We're going to grow stronger as a Christian that we may never have reached the level of and we couldn't get there any other way aside from the suffering that we would be going through. What we do, what we do matters. Not only what we do, what we think well, I'm not saying there's a power in positive thinking. I'm not going there. But look at verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, in the very core of your being, where the seat of your will and your feelings and your, your emotions are, in your mind. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Christ has come to live in the believer's heart. That's where he dwells. That's where he stays. Reverence him there. Consider him important there. It is there in your heart that Jesus Christ creates a joyful, confident expectation of things to come. The hope that is in you. It is and expectation. It's as good as done. The our eternal inheritance, that great hope we have, the our blessed hope, the Lord Jesus, who's coming back to get us in the clouds, it's as good as done. It's happening. We're confident. It's just a matter of time. And that creates a joyful confidence within you and I in everything that we go through. Paul, I mean, Peter doesn't mention this hope by accident to these suffering Christians. This hope within us is going to bring us to a perseverance in our struggles. It arouses us to handle and conquer suffering grieving affliction is overcome by a great assurance there's a great assurance within you and I a lot of our members suffered through 2018 just a lot of suffering going on and I pray that there's a time of relief I know there's going, not going to be, you know, no suffering from here on out. I hope for a time of relief for so many of our members that have gone through that. But suffering could be around the corner. It could be around the corner in 2019. But what's also, there is a greater strength, a greater strength than all of the pain that we might go through in what we suffer it's there for you and I. And the Lord is pleased when we show off His great strength. He wants us to do that in a time of suffering. He wants us to show off His great strength to this world. He's pleased when we do so. And He's not pleased when we buckle under the suffering. When we buckle and fall just like anyone in the world, he, he doesn't, he's not pleased with that. That's not what he wants. That's not his will for you and I to crumble and fall. Can, can we take some confidence in that? That you're not going to crumble and fall if you're seeking your Lord. That's not what he wants. That's not the plan. He never puts us through suffering to hurt us, just to hurt us. It's always for something good. It's always for something glorious. Can we think on Him? We'll conquer suffering that way. Not only by what we think, though, by what we say. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, earlier in this chapter, we learned that the wife was to preach a silent sermon to her unbelieving husband that he might be saved. But it's a totally different situation here for the one who engages you about what you believe. For the skeptics that engage you about your faith, about what you believe in. We're to give a defense about our hope to every man, to anyone, whoever engages us in spiritual matters. And we're not to miss any opportunity to do so. Every man. An opportunity to share, to explain, to defend our hope. And we're to be ready for that occasion. There are some of you... I was just talking to Michael a minute ago, and, you know, I'm thankful that that a lot of you got some time off of work for Christmas. But some of you may lay in bed at night and talk to the Lord, and you also may think about what you have to catch up on when you get back to work. Uh, It's worth it. I'm taking the time, but I'm going to go up to go back and catch up. I'm going to have to do this and I'm going to have to get this person to do this and And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying that in a critical way. You're thinking about that. You're thinking about and you're planning and planning ahead for what you're going to do. God bless Miss Jennifer. She cooks for 30 people at winter retreat. And so... And so we have to take food. We have to make sure we have containers. We have to make sure we have this and that. I'm sure she's thinking about that a whole lot. We're going to have, let me see. We're going to have dinner and then we're going to have breakfast, lunch, dinner and then breakfast again. And, and this so and so needs to eat this and so and so is allergic to this. And what are they, I have a new kitchen. What's going to be in that kitchen? What planning and preparing because winter retreats important because work's important. And so we think about that and we plan that. How important is someone's soul that's lost, that's going to hell unless they be saved? And what if they engage with you about spiritual matters? Can we meditate? Can we study? Can we prepare with the Word of God and be ready for that occasion? I have a friend and he works for a real big company and he trains people all over the United States. All they fly in these new employees from all over the United States. They're going to be working with the public. They're going to need good communication skills. My friend has really good communication skills, so he sets up this this room and this this area he's in and and he plans all of these these games and he plans these ice breakers and things like that. And this big company, you know, a little bit too millennial, they're they're real big on don't don't talk about your faith in there. And he sneaks it in every way he can. He 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 throws something out there to draw it out of them. And one time he played a game and the game was about naming your fears. And somebody said clowns and somebody said this, somebody said that, and somebody said my greatest fear is that I would go to hell when I die. And after, and after the whole session was over, he was looking to grab her outside and talk to her, and he didn't do it. And he went home so sick and convicted, and he went and bought himself a new pocket Bible. You know, this is our sword. I call pocket Bible our switchblade. So he went and got him a new switchblade. And he he went down the Roman road and he went through many verses in the Bible. He went through and thought about many questions that skeptics and lost in darkness, the people of this world would ask. And he started underlining those scriptures and he started putting tabs by the pages. And he thinks about it and he's ready. He's ready. He actually went to that girl the next day after that. And the moment seemed to be lost. She wasn't that fearful of hell all of a sudden people are fickle and people are traveling at busy paces and their minds going to busy paces and and, and he missed the moment and we got to be ready we got to be meditating we, we are not just the preachers and, and deacons and sunday school teachers but every christian needs to be a student of the bible and every christian needs to be ready to tell of the hope that is in them Some professing Christians cannot tell you of the hope that is in them. Some don't know what it is. I'm saying they profess, they don't know what it is, though. Some don't know how to tell it. And some have never told anyone about the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be ready. We need to be ready. And we need to do it in meekness. I was told this as a true story that a preacher was witnessing to a man and they sat there for about an hour and they talked and they talked about the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And after an hour went by and he knew they were about to part ways, he knew he was about to lose his time with him, he got a little frustrated and he said, the guy just rejected the Lord and rejected the Lord and he finally just said, why don't you just go on to hell then? And they parted ways. And he saw that man months later, a year later. And he said, you know, that got me. The very end of the conversation, when you told me to go on and go to hell, I, I just want you to know I was saved after that. And I've been serving the Lord. Now, now praise God for that. But that's, that's not the good pattern for us as a witness to use. That's not in meekness. But what is meekness? Because meekness also, it is not mousy. Okay? And what I mean by that, it's not walking on eggshells not to offend someone. That's not what this word is. That's not what meekness is. It has to do with the kindness, but it also has to do with the strength. It's meekness has to do with courage. And it has to do with being bold as well. It's strength. Under control is what meekness is. We're to give an account, we're to give a reason for the hope that is in us in strength under control. It doesn't mean that we tolerate sin, we don't put up with sin. That's not what meekness means. It's a spirit of strength under control, it's a spirit of strength and courage. Meekness does not put up with evil speech and evil deeds. Meekness, it's a spiritual quality. We must pray to be meek. And we must learn in the Lord Jesus as a follower of Him and a follower of that which is good to be meek. And we must also do this in fear. We must do this in reverence for the Word of God, for the Lord that He uses us, and the words that we say. That, that we are accurate in giving an account and giving a reason of the hope that lies in us. Please don't let that scare you off, young Christian or, or new witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell what you know. Tell them what you know. One preacher told the young preachers, preach through the Bible. When you come to a verse then you don't know what it means, shut up and go to the next verse. So if you come across something and a witness from someone and you don't know, say that's a very good question and I'll get you that answer later. But let me tell you what Jesus Christ has done for me. I was blind, but now I can see. You tell them what you know, Christian, and we all ought to be ready always to give an account, but we're to do it in meekness and we're to do it in fear. And that and there's a conquering. There's a conquering of our suffering there. We conquer our suffering. And we live right and we don't do wrong. And we have success in this by what our life is. Look at verses 16 and 17. It says, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evildoing. The apostle Paul was talking to the church at Thessalonica. And he was talking about the power of the message of the gospel. They received the word and they were saved. And only the gospel saves. Forget the messenger, it's the message. But in another sense, but in another sense, Paul said, you know what manner of men we were among you. So there's a little sense in which the messenger matters. Okay, what is our life like? When we give an account, a reason of the hope that is in us. Look, it's the power of the message that saves, but the pureness of the messenger matters. I hope you don't think I'm critical when I say this. I'm just being honest. But I hear a lot of people, you know, sing Christian music all over and and when i personally know of someone that is walking with the lord and their lives are in the in the righteousness of god it is such a blessing to me to to hear that just that it's always a blessing to hear god's music being sung there's just a little something something extra when it's a holy life that is heralding out that song in tune the righteous are to reveal the truth the upright are to unify the skeptics to God. Righteous living and self denying sacrifice. It's the gospel that's going to save them. That's the dynamite unto salvation. That's the power of salvation. But, but the righteous, self sacrificing life is going to convict the one that is loving this world. And living their life for themselves on their own in selfishness in this world. Our manner of life will convict them as well. It will also cause them to ridicule us. To mock us. To ignore us. Or even to lie on us. To tell a lie. Oh, the, the righteous child of God. On the job he is shining. And people are talking about it. And the hater of the truth. Goes and tells goes and tells a lie on Corey, to try to make everybody else on the job look down on him. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well doing, than for evil doing. This is God's command, but there's really something that is of some common sense in this. You know, if someone breaks in your house, would you rather, and takes your stuff, would you rather be the burglar or the homeowner that got robbed? I'd rather be the homeowner that got robbed. Would you rather... Someone is making it in this world one way or another and they are mooching off this person and they're mooching off that person and they seem to have everything you have and you are working on your job like a slave. You're working your fingers to the bone and and you don't have any more than they do. Would you rather be the mooch or the hard worker? You'd rather be the hard worker. Would you rather suffer for doing good Or doing evil. Doing that which is wrong. That's God's command. And and it's what we see is the better thing. Look, suffering is endured much easier for a good, right cause. Christians have been through some suffering with people. They have had tough things and they've had people come over them and on them and they had Christians have suffered things from people and they stood for a right cause for what they did and that will give a person peace when the cause is right and you're suffering for doing good I'll take that any day over suffering for doing wrong and the guilt that would come over you for it. It's probably good. I can't remember my story. I was going to tell about me suffering wrong. I don't want to throw my dirt out there. But 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 when you've done wrong and you're guilty and you're miserable of it and you know it was wrong and and you know it was man that that hurts. That's painful. That's painful. But when you suffered for something righteous that you've stood for, and you know that your father has your back, that's better. It's the will of God that his children sometimes suffer. It's never the will of God that his children suffer for doing wrong, though. I mean, that's not his plan. It is your will to suffer. That doesn't mean... Let me say it a different way. That doesn't mean you go out and do wrong because you're going to go through some suffering. It's the will of God and His plan that we suffer for righteousness' sake. For doing right. The Christians Peter is writing to discouraged and down and the things that they are going through. Where, Where are they going in their minds? What are they thinking? Are they thinking about Fading? They stood for the truth. That's why they were ran off. But are they thinking about fading? Who cares? Look, Look where we are. Look what's happening. Who cares anyway? Happy are ye if you suffer for righteousness sake. How do we conquer? How do we conquer our suffering? Persecution? Live right. Live right. Suffer for doing right, not wrong. Live right. Don't do wrong. You can trust the That's not easy to do. But you can trust the Lord for that. He makes it happen. I promise you. He makes it happen for all of our lives. It's impossible to do if there's one here tonight that's never been born again. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't have a relationship with Him, if you don't have the peace of standing before Him, God forbid it happen tonight, There. It just doesn't happen. The Christian life, it, it, or, or even going through the motions and the steps, it doesn't last. It doesn't, it doesn't last. The falseness of it always shows up. And God, God would have anyone here to humble themselves before Him tonight. Say, God, I, I know what I professed, but I don't know You, and I trust You tonight. You can take care of that here in God's house the day after Christmas if you're not saved. But we're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer right now and we're going to dismiss. But please don't leave this sanctuary if you don't have the peace of a relationship with Jesus Christ where the Holy Spirit has come to live within you and change your life. Brother Rick Morris, would you close this service in prayer, sir?
1: It have been a joy to be in your house tonight, dear God, Lord, to hear your word preached to be able to sing praises to you. And Lord God, just to hear a prayer request, be able to raise them up to you put them at your feet, knowing, Lord God, that you're truly capable of doing all things. And Lord God, we just ask for comfort for those that need comfort, like Brother Ray's family, and Lord God, we ask for healing and power to raise up uh, our sick, dear God, Lord. I just pray that you can find a way to magnify your son, Jesus, dear God, Lord, through miraculously raising up some folks that are really struggling right now, dear God, we just praise you, magnify you, and, Lord God, we just ask you to give that peace of passive understanding until such a time as you complete your will in those cases, and, Lord God, we think of the uh, winter retreat, dear God, Lord, and the chance uh, for young folks to get away from uh, the hustle and bustle of the life, and to think about you, and, Lord God, I ask you just to be in all parts of it, Lord God, strengthen uh, the Christian, and Lord God, anyone that's lost, that they might come to the saving knowledge of your son Jesus. I ask you, Lord God, if you would, just be uh, with our pastors, and I ask you to bless their families. I ask you to get us home safely and take care of us. And Lord God, we'll praise you for all things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.